everyone. Welcome to Have a Drink with Some Geeks. My name is Adam. And my name is Matt. Uh, today we are going to be talking about The Legend of Korra. One of my favorite shows as well. Yes, one of my favorite shows as well. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of a deep dive into um, Korra itself. Um, we're going to try to stick away from some Avatar comparisons. We'll save that for next week. We'll do a, a, a comparison and contrast of the two of the two series. So we really want to focus this one on Korra, like we focused the last one on Avatar. Sounds good. All right, folks, and you know what? You know we're the we're the geeks who drink podcasts, so we we can't start off a podcast without our drinks of the week. Yeah. Um. So this one we're gonna have a, a homemade, old fashioned. Um. Adam's girlfriend was very kind to make a homemade simple syrup yes. with. She made it with uh, peach and cinnamon. Um. Yeah. And, and we're going to drink it over some really good Basil Hayden. Yep. Or is it Basil Hayden's? I, 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 I it, depends. <laughs> it depends on how drunk you get, how you pronounce it. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so, cheers. Cheers, brother. Cheers to, uh, to Legend of Korra. All right. Well, Matt, I, I definitely want to give you the floor. All right. Start off, so... Let's uh, let's yeah. take it away. Yeah. Well, before we get I get started, Adam, I do want to remind our, our audience: if you don't follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, please follow us at Geek Drink Pod on all platforms. Please do. Um, also, uh, just to give you a heads up, I know this this show's been out for a while, but I, I want to say there may be some spoilers coming yeah. up, so just be ready for <laughs> it. Um, but. Anyway, but please, yeah, like, subscribe, give us the thumbs up. We're 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 really trying um, to uh, get this thing going as uh, best we can. Yeah. So, um, Adam, I I think I'll let you start this week on, on oh, okay on on Cora and kind of your your introduction to it and and a little bit overview what you think of Cora. Okay, first off, Tar, you did that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have to do some um, fun lines from the show. So, first off, like I loved Legend of Korra. It was probably one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. Um, but uh, like one of the things I really want to talk about, like I uh, just in terms of the the look of the show, um, is that steampunk. Aesthetic yeah. and that kind of it was, time music. Like, it was nice, I think, to see that because the show, you know, takes place some 50, some 60, 70 years since we last saw our characters in Avatar. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see that the world has evolved and the world's changing. Um, it's not set the exact same way as the, as the other show was. Yes. It gave us, and it gave us, uh, I think it was fun to see not only that steampunk feel, but it gave us a new a new location because we've already kind of explored the Earth Nation, the Fire Nation, the water the water nations. Yeah. Um, and now Republic we're, City we're in Republic is kind City. Of new area. Yeah, and it's nice to see that they you know and and I did a little research on this um, before before we recorded you know seeing how Republic City is founded and they did talk about a little bit it's Aang and and creating and him and Zuko creating kind of this correct this home for for all peoples mm-hmm. um but it was kind of interesting some of the backstory and some of the graphic novels i guess initially zuko was not happy that ang took this territory from the fire nation and made republic city um zuko felt like it should have stayed fire nation because it was 
one of their holdings from the war. Yes. Um, and so they kind of went to battle again as as Avatar and Zuko did um, before making amends again. More, more politically. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I saw that. And I think it's kind of interesting, like, creating sort of this, like, metropolis of this uh, bunch of different nations blending together. Yeah. And different and, people just being... Being people. Yeah, and, and you kind of get to see how bending would be perceived and how it would work in a more modern society. Yes, and, and I think you see that especially with, like, the pro-bending. Um, yes. Where it's like, oh, this has become kind of a, a sport. And, I mean, you even see, like, the organized crime units using, like, bending as their big kind of muscle almost. But... I, I really liked the pro-bending stuff, and you, you see that kind of more interacting with everyday life. Yeah, you see a little bit of that, and I think you see um, it as a sport form, um, kind of how you see sports in today's world, where it's, it's I wouldn't call it elitist, but you have to have some natural ability to, to compete. And they do, you don't have, obviously, any non-benders competing in in this um and one thing i want to kind of touch on that we 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 talked a little bit about that steampunk feel i really liked how each episode had a narration of what's going on so far in the season or in the book done by the announcer from the pro bending yeah and it was fun because it 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 tied into that feel of the world that that old-timey ragtime kind of feel yeah absolutely and even the music but um like and one of the things i kind of liked is just uh seeing how like even just going going back it's like even like mako was holding down a job like doing lightning bending and charging up power (laughs) yeah centers and it's just like oh that's what he's doing <laughs> it yeah. makes sense it and does i mean you, you've got people who who've got this innate ability to create electricity yeah um and so what's a better job for them than being power plant workers and mm-hmm. that kind of job yeah. um you've got you know you've got this this thriving metropolis this growing metropolis um and seeing how they're going to deal with these new inventions like the automobile or mm-hmm. or the zarek mobile i guess at that point the zarek mobile and so and soda mo- and uh, uh, whatever Sato motors Sato motors yes yeah <laughs> um and you, you've got now you've got planes you've got ships um hummingbird hummingbird <laughs> uh, airships yeah, yeah you've got everything going on yeah it was it was kind of a nice feel to it and then you still were able to feel a little bit of that previous vibe from this from Avatar when you go back to the Water Nation and they're not developed the same way and. Mm-hmm. and I think it was a good reflection of our own society where we, in that time frame in, in history, you kind of had that. You had some thriving metropolises and then you'd go to third world countries and it felt very backwaters almost. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I mean, even though like you see the water nation as kind of staying back a bit, but then you have people like Varric who are. Like, I'm going to do everything. Do the thing, Julie! Julie. I, I I will say this now. Varric was my favorite character of the series. <laughs> he was great. He was this 
comic relief in the moments you needed him to be. Yes. And it wasn't over the top. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I and I talked about this and you and you brought it up briefly, you know, the music in this series felt a lot different because of the time period it set in. Mm-hmm. Um and I said in the last episode how, you know, in, in Avatar the end credits felt very optimistic and upbeat and this series end credits very felt sorrowful oh, and yeah. a little depressing because the world's going through these changes and and we've got a more mature age wise and I think person wise avatar in Korra. Yes, um, I, I think as uh as an avatar Korra has gone through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and we can get into this a little later, but she's gone through a ton of stuff and everything every even every book or season, as you wanna say it, is a huge change for not only her but for the world. Yeah. And and whereas with Avatar Aang, it was like, oh, well, we're leading up to the Fire Lord. Yeah. And that's the big thing, but it's like almost every episode or every season and every book, there was a Fire Lord. There was a big bad guy. Yeah. And it was nice because you didn't have the entire long, you know, and Avatar you had. You had arcs within each book. Okay, this book we're going to learn about Aang and waterbending. This book we're going to learn about the Earth Nation and earthbending. Yes. This one very much felt like we're going to have season-long arcs with the big bad guy at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But the trauma of that previous season is going to stay with her yes. and inform her choices in the next season. Absolutely. Um, I think you were... Um, we had kind of talked briefly beforehand... Um, but it's kind of how she had to, or like, I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, you know, I think better because <laughs> you know, I I think, and and we'll we'll get more into this in the next segment. I think it, the the creators who who were the same creators behind Avatar did a great job in developing Korra because in Avatar we were were introduced to Aang. He's been frozen in ice for a hundred years, and he only knows one form of bending still, yeah. airbending, and. He, like you said, he's leading up to fighting the Fire Lord, but he's learning all the bending techniques to get there. Exactly. In Korra, for the most part, you've got a fully realized Avatar. She's still got to learn air. and Yeah, she starts off knowing three, three of yeah. the four. Um, and she learns the fourth one pretty, pretty by the end of the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you've got to learn more and more about the world choices that she's living in and, and how... She's got to learn to be an avatar, not in the same way Aang learned to be an avatar. You know, Aang yeah, said she... he learned it by learning the bending techniques to fight mm-hmm. the Fire Lord. She knows the techniques, and now she's got to learn to be an avatar in terms of how her choices. And she makes a lot of poor choices throughout the series, and how and how she's got to grow from those choices. And that's yes. her avatar journey. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I feel like um, Korra. I mean, if you think of it almost like a, uh, a, a, like almost like a teenager, like more of a teenager, young adult going through all this is mm-hmm. it is kind of more her journey, and where it was more, Aang, it was a little bit more black and white, like good and evil, and 
we knew kind of who, like, what we were supposed yeah. to do, like, who we were supposed to root for. Whereas I feel like with Korra, it was definitely a, um, there was a, a lot more gray area, if that makes sense. Yeah, there was a lot more gray area. And I think, you know, now's the thing we learned with Korra. You know, Avatar Aang had a very sound, grounded moral compass, and he <laughs> really straight off that path. You know, he only really kind of got angry and did something out of character for him when when Cor- when Katara was injured or threatened, or when Appa yeah. was injured or threatened. Korra very much is that kind of middle ground where she's she impulsive, can, <laughs> compulsive, impulsive. She can float between the two sides. Yeah, um, she. She, like I said, she's learning to be the Avatar through her yeah. actions and not through the bending piece. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I, you brought up a good point in, in our discussion earlier about how each book kind of represents a different facet of the world we've lived yeah. in. Yeah. So, um, like, one, like so for, like, the first book, it I mean, it dealt with uh, kind of communism, yeah. if you will, as, like, a big theme. And then the... Second book dealt with theocracy, like religion and um, sort of the more spiritual stuff. And then it became anarchy with the third book. And then it became fascism with the fourth book. So I ultimately will say, like, I feel like Korra has gone through more as a avatar than... Most of the previous avatars, because most of, like, if you look at the history that they tell us, it's like, oh, this avatar dealt with this, this avatar dealt with this. But it's like Korra's dealt with, like, almost world-ending calamities, like, yeah. almost every book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, in previous avatar iterations, and we've learned through through the series, is, you know, each avatar had to stop a war, or united people, and she had to deal with... You know, someone who can take away bending for the entire for everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. Then we're dealing with someone who wants to become an evil avatar and choose yeah. with the evil spirits. Then you've got um, the anarchists who wants there to be complete anarchy and no leaders of the world and everyone, every man for themselves. And Hold benders. your breath. Yeah. <laughs> Hold your breath. <laughs> and benders, um, you know, rule the world because they are the stronger. Yeah. And then you finally have in the fourth one a dictatorship that yeah. that imperialism and 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 how to deal with that and it's someone that she knew um and kind of respected prior to that um i think the other thing that the series did very well um with then carried over from avatar is the avatar had a lot of adult themes we discussed yes and and so did so did cora it was a little bit darker of a series and i think it was nice because it it grew up with us yes um much in the same way i would say the newer the the newer Harry Potter movies, the uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies, mm-hmm. are for us as because we watched the Harry Potter ones when we were kids. Mm-hmm. So it's mature for us. I think that the series did the same thing. Um, you know, she dealt with a lot of PTSD in this in the oh, series. Well, like between book uh, three and four, yeah, it was total PTSD for her. Yeah, and she couldn't even she couldn't even like, become a, in the Avatar state anymore. Yeah, it was it was terrible and. Like and so it's like it's a, again it's a it's a series that I feel grows with you and talks about themes that are mm-hmm. more grown up 
Um, especially, like, yeah, it's like the first, like, Airbender was definitely had a lot of comedic elements, a little bit more childish, um, whereas Korra was definitely a little bit more. Yeah. You know, you still had you still had those comedic elements in 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 Varric and, and Julie and, and Mako and yeah. Bolin. Well, mostly Bolin, Bolin. Mostly Bolin, yeah. And Pabu. <laughs> Pabu. Um, Pabu. And I I really liked and Milo. <laughs> Milo. Milo also uh, one of my favorite characters because his his superpower is fart bending. Yeah, he could he could fart bend. And I mean, there there we go. There's there's our we talked about a little bit last time how. Each element bending has subcategories. Here's a subcategory: no, fart bending. Go. I mean, I know Zaire could fly, but <laughs> but uh, Milo could fart bend. Milo could fart bend. Unhand me, woman. <laughs> Unhand me, strange woman. <laughs> That's your grandmother. <laughs> you know, and I th- I think that was a great thing the series did too. Is they had some obviously older versions of our previous characters in terms of. Um, in terms of, we see Katara, we see Toph, we, we see we, Zuko. We see Zuko. We reference Aang because he, obviously he had to die for Korra to be born to exactly. become an Avatar. Um, I really wish we had seen more of Sokka than a flashback. Yeah, I want to know how. I I, I want to say in my head canon that Sokka's boomerang got its revenge on him. No, that's that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's mean. Boomerang, no. Thanks. No, but um, yeah, no, I would have loved to see more Sokka because I mean Sokka was definitely a great character from the original like Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. um, and apparently had a he's he had a really good military career apparently and all that, and so I was like, oh, this is great. Um, so I would have loved to see more of that. Um, but I did like seeing just like. Kind of keeping things simple and have it yeah. be just like Katara, Toph, yeah. Zuko. And I think it was nice because they weren't heavy players no. the entire series. They yeah. had their moments, small moments here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really liked in the fourth book, or in the third book, when we meet an old Zuko. Um, and they're going to check on the prisoner in their ice dungeon. Yeah. And he's telling them, oh, yeah, she can she can use firebending with just her head. And yeah. she shoots explosions. And everyone's like, what? And he's like, I had someone do that to try to kill the Avatar <laughs> for me. And everyone's like, <gasps> explosion man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it was nice that we saw these characters. And it was nice that we saw the families that these characters had created from the yes. last show. Yeah, that and like kind of seeing how... Zuko's son is General Iroh, and um, yeah, his daughter, his daughter as the new Fire Lord, and we see Avatar and Katara's kids. Yeah, like Um, you see Boomy, you see um, Kaya, Kaya, and and then then, um, Tenzin, Tenzin, Tenzin and and here we go. We have another famous voice actor or famous actor in general. Yeah, J.K. Simmons playing Tenzin, and I think he. Did a excellent yeah, job. It was good. And character. it was nice to see him and that character grow too because, you know, he is taking over as the last airbender from Aang because mm-hmm. Aang's the only one that can make him more airbenders. Yeah. And so now his kids are, are airbenders. Um, and for him to kind of live in the shadow of the fact that he is Aang's son. Yes. And having to finally 
when the spirit of Aang tells him, you're not me. Don't yeah. be me. Be you. Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, like definitely a, uh, a a beautiful moment to kind of be like, oh, like, don't be me. But also, like, I love the fact that he, like, took airbending so seriously. Yes. And he was, and he like, was so... <laughs> such a serious, like, sourpuss. He was, but he was also such a great fighter with it. Oh. Better than I, Aang was. I mean, At least from what we saw. Like, in terms of airbending, yes, absolutely. I mean, it, but, I mean, we can get into, like, I I want to talk about, like, I think Tenzin was more of the pure airbender yeah. character, but then... Well, yeah, I think that's... Zaire was more, like, because his girlfriend blew her own head off, he was able to learn how to fly, yeah, um, and if you haven't watched that, I'm sure that sounds very confusing. Yeah, it's 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 a complicated issue. Like apparently, uh, if you wrap a metal thing around your head and you're an explosion person, it'll blow your head off. And it was very creepy to be like, "This is a kids' show," and you watch someone blow their head off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, even for a kids' show, I, I think this is more of a teenage, young adult show versus yeah. a kids' show. It dealt with a lot of a lot of things that Avatar kind of touched on, and that was the love situation because you've got Korra dating Mako, yeah. Um, oh, after yeah. Mako dates Asami, and then yeah. they break up, and they she had amnesia, up. they date again, yeah. um, and it's it was it was kind of fun like that. But I will say one thing: I think Korra did a good job of that Avatar did not do was delve more into the creation of the Avatar itself. Yes, so like they they definitely talk into like the Rava, yeah, the and and Juan and, and more and, of the lore of what an avatar exactly. is. Exactly, and I really enjoyed that, and um, I just think like giving it like giving her more time to like explore, or like giving the show more time to explore these themes. Yeah, has been huge, and it helped because they had a four season run versus a three season run of Avatar. Correct, and it wasn't like, oh, we're trying to like we're trying to defeat the Fire Lord. It's like, oh, we were able to explore the more spiritual stuff in episode or in book two, and then we were able to explore more stuff, and and so, yeah, and I think. You know, that that second book and, and her learning about what it meant to truly be an avatar in terms of the spirits and having the the spirit of Rava in you so you can actually bend all four elements yes. was huge. Um, but my favorite part of that season is Bolin. Okay. And him dating um, one of the creepy twins. Uh, yes, yeah, so the the one of the creepy twins was actually voiced by Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Um. That was that was funny. Oh, it was hilarious because she was so unemotional. Yes. And and but loved him and kept calling him, you know, little my, pet names. My little turtle duck. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like they they eventually spoilers, they eventually break up. Um but uh then he starts dating actually what what was her name? Jin? Who is uh Yeah, she was one of the Beifong family. Beifong family, yeah, yeah. Who who got her powers and, from the spirit world. Yeah, and so and she's an airbender and so but that was uh Eska. That was actually, Eska, that's who her name was that Aubrey Plaza played. Hmm? Eska. 
Eska. Eska. Eska. Okay. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I enjoyed... I think Bolin deserved a better, because he, he's a nice guy, and he he's like the Sokka of this series, and he, yeah. needed, he needed a good person to, to give him, like, to lead him to a a nice place. <laughs> yeah. It was it was definitely interesting. Um and it was really cool to see, you know, you talked about it in when we first started the episode, you know, Republic City being this mixed city of of various nations. And yes. Mako and Bolin are a perfect example of that because they are brothers, but they are not the same bending. Correct. Yeah. So like that that's actually something I I'd love to bring up is like yeah. because it's like they come from different nations, so like technically, I guess Mako and Bolin's parents like were Earth Nation, Fire Nation, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think their mo- their father was Earth, something like that, and so it became this thing, and it's like, oh, that's kind of beautiful. I love this kind of sort of mixing of cultures that's going on, and I I ultimately think that. That's the reason why uh, Bolin can actually um, lava bend, is because he's he has a little firebender in yeah. him. Um, so, but uh, well, Bolin, it's interesting because you you see this this world now that the world's become smaller because they can travel more and they have yeah. Republic they City. Have, they have planes. They have yeah. cars. They have. You're, you're gonna start seeing. I think if they continue the ser- other series into the future, more of these mixed bending families because yeah. of of that factor. Yeah, and so I'm I'm just curious if like some of these more subclasses of bending that we see, bladder might, bending, mm-hmm. might for bladder bending. There you go. Might be because of like this sort of blending of cultures and blending of benders and stuff like that. And so yeah. I'm like, hey, like you might see someone who could do like fire tornado. Fire tornado. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I know the water benders can already like turn stuff to steam. Yeah. But it'd be kind of like, oh yeah, you could see something like that happening. And um just seeing how Bolin and Mako... By the way, um, Mako was named after Mako. Mako who voiced who General voiced, Iroh in the original series. Yes, yeah. he voiced Iroh, and he unfortunately passed away um, in like during the filming of the show. And he is greatly missed. Um, we love you, Mako. Yeah, and I think they did a good, a good little touch on, on Iroh's character and in, in bringing him back from Avatar... In the spirit world, and he still had some sage Uncle Iroh advice. Exactly for like, Korra. That is, I think, the best part of Uncle Iroh is he—he he was always very sage-like, very wise, very helpful. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, even when it's like, oh yeah, he's <laughs> technically the enemy or whatever, but it's still he was a very. Uh, a very good guide. Yeah, he was. Yes. Um, and so I think it's a good point for us to, to segue into into our next segment, the hot takes on on this. Um, and I I think I'll start this one off by saying, and I know people are gonna give me flack about this because I get flack about this from from my wife and from coworkers who who watch the series. 
Korra was a better show than Avatar. I, you know, I agree with you. I completely agree. I think um, it dealt with bigger things. Um, I think it, I mean, and I don't know if this is just because we're older. Um, I think that could factor into it a little bit. Yeah, I just felt like it kind of connected with us a little bit more than um, than Avatar The Last Airbender, where it was kind of like a little bit more whimsical. Yeah. But this was like, no, we're trying to be a little bit more grown up. Or it is. You see, you know, Lin Beifong, who, who's Toph's daughter, who's the chief of police in Republic City, deal with her own trauma and and her family demons because well, Toph I mean, was not the best mother, unfortunately. And her sister was a criminal at one point and, you know, leaves and founds her own city. And, she, and Toph is, or not Toph, Lin is such a black and white good and evil character yeah, that she was in she love with Tenzin her. and that was and awesome that didn't and they were ex- work out exes, and, yeah and, and they still have to still talk tra- to each other all the time they're still trying to work out everything in in um in republic city yeah you know and i think another another factor that made the show a little bit better was that you know we had these these heavier elements that help build Korra as an avatar. Like I said, yes. we have the PTSD from from her poisoning by Zaheer, and she's got to yeah. learn throughout most of the next book how to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, because she couldn't, like, she wasn't able to fight um, Kovira no. like, in, in any effective way. <laughs> and I think it was really funny that her therapist was tough. Uh, you know, if... if if you want a therapist, it's it might as well be her. Yeah, someone yeah. who could just say I, like, "You give Earthbenders a bad name." Yeah, I just, wish she had a nickname for her, like she had for for Twinkle, Twinkle Toes. Yeah, Twinkle Toes. Yeah, but um, one of the things I also want to bring up is um, another favorite character of mine, Janora. Yeah, uh, she like I remember when I finally was able to watch that episode, I texted my brother and I was like, Master Janora. And he got so mad at me because I spoiled it for him. But I'm like, she is, she's excellent. And like, in terms of like, if you want to take like Tenzin versus Janora in terms of who's the better spiritual leader, technically Janora, I think, has more of that innocence. And yeah, is able to manifest uh, herself in the spirit world. Yeah. That's what brings her better to um, the spirit world. Whereas Tenzin, I think because he has so many worldly obligations and I mean, uh, what's the, um, let go of your earthly, earthly tether. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the line, but, but Tenzin has so much on his shoulders. He does. I mean, he's a, at the beginning of the series, he's leading. He's on the council for Republic City to lead the city. He is the only. He's the last master Airbender, yeah. And he's training his kids to do it. Um, he is trying to train train um, Korra in Airbending and also be one of her protectors because yes. he is. He feels a fatherly connection for her. Yeah, as the series grows, but then he's also, you know, spoiler alert when when they create more Airbenders through the Spirit World issue. Now he's got this whole nation he's going to try to lead and try to rebuild. Yeah, he has to 
he has to step up and it's hard and but i still think like i mean if you watch the fight scene um between tenzin and zaire um in book three like you see that tenzin is this amazing oh he is a great airbender fighting i mean he he had the other um people from the red lotus not interfered in that fight i think he would have won that fight oh i mean it's he really felt like and, and i mean you see it as like almost like and you can um understand this as a as a father it's like his his it's, kids yeah. were in danger and he decided to like just let go and, he did he but unfortunately he, he can't let go of that earthly tether <laughs> so he can't fly yeah but, he still is well at that point um, one of the better airbags. Yeah, well at that point neither could Zaheer. Yes, because his girlfriend hadn't blown her head off yet. Yeah, she hadn't blown her head off and then Zaheer hadn't suffocated a bunch of people. That was creepy. That was uh, I mean that was that's a great way to kill someone without um laying a finger <laughs> on them. So creepy. Um <laughs> I'm sitting here watching the episode and I was just like, oh my goodness. Oh my God! What are they doing? Yeah, and so and you not only did you have that, but you had, um, you know, you know, for for Tenzin, he just he was ready to use his bending skills to do whatever he could to protect his family and protect his nation. Yeah, because they're they're attacking the new air nation. Yeah, um, you know, and I think I'll I'll bring up another another small point on that is. We see, and it was kind of a problem I had in, in retrospect with with the series, we only had one kind of motherly figure for Cora, and that was Lynn. But we had a lot of fatherly figures for her. Yes. I mean, I, I guess you could say, uh, uh, what was, uh, what was, uh... Lynn's sister? Or, well, no, not Lynn's sister, but uh, what was, um... Um, shit. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what was Tenzin's wife's name? Oh, his wife's name was. I'm looking at it right now. But Pema. Pema. Yeah. Pema, I think, helped a little bit. She um, did, but I. But it's definitely like Cora needed some extra. Like she needed some. Like maternal stuff, and I like think so. Katara did what she could, yeah. But Katara was only in like really like the first couple episodes, or and a little bit in book four when yeah. she was when she was paralyzed a little bit. Um, and I think I think that was a strong choice too because had you had Katara be that motherly mentor figure for her, I think then you're tying too much into the previous series. True, and I think we've we talked about that on mm-hmm. our last episode of uh when we were talking about Kenobi is just yeah. like how much do you want to like tie stuff in and how much do you want to make it its own thing. Agreed. And I think this was a good example of uh us just or like of them just doing their own thing. Yeah, I think it was it was great that they they paid homage to the series, they tied into it, but they didn't rely on it to make exactly. the series work. Yeah. And like I, I feel like you could probably walk into Legend of Korra, yeah, cold and and understand, yeah. 
Um, so I think that's a good point now for us to move into our last segment, Adam, like kind of our closing thoughts and arguments yes. about this. You know, I think I'll let you start on this one. Okay, well, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I, I wanted to, like, I guess I kind of want to touch base on again is this whole mixed culture okay. of stuff. I mean, and I know we brought this up with Kenobi, like the the different, like, castings and yeah. stuff like that, racially-wise. And I know with the live-action um, Avatar The Last Airbender, they're really trying to almost make a point to cast people of different ethnicities. Yeah. But, again, it's like, for me, personally, I'm like, I it's fantasy. It, I, I, am, I don't notice that yeah. at all, and... Um, I almost felt like it's not necessarily like earthbenders are a certain race or firebenders are a certain race. I thought, I just felt like it was like, almost like, oh, I'm part of the, part of this like nation almost. And I could be whatever I want to be. Yeah. Or I could be anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm in the fire nation, (laughs) but and so I just was like, I, like, I'm curious just how they're going to do this. Cause I know they've been taking extra care for this. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, good for them. Like, yeah. Please. I, I love more inclusive casting, um, in, in shows, in movies. It's great. I love to see that. Um, so I'm just kind of that, that's one thing I was kind of thinking of. And then, um, just, a. A uh, quick little point. So I know season four was kind of released only online. Um, and that is the season that they added the weird CGI. Yeah, a little bit of CGI features to it. Exactly. And I just wanted to know, like, what were... I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but... It didn't I wasn't, but it. I think they did it in a, in a good way. Okay, because they didn't rely too heavily on it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of done in small bit tidbits here, obviously with the the big platinum machine that yeah, they the make. Mech suits, yeah, and, and some of that. So I think it worked because we've got this world that's industrializing and 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 yeah. changing. So I think animation wise, it worked. Um, but, but one thing I I kind of wanted to touch on with that is I think. It was nice that they kind of kept the same aesthetic of the world from Avatar in terms of the animation style. Yeah. Um, but they did not make it as bright and vibrant. Uh, yeah, it definitely felt a little... Like, I don't want to say... like I mean, I keep saying darker, but it, it felt a little more mature. <laughs> yeah, a little more muted palette, you know, yeah. especially when you see the big fight between... Um, Avatar and her spirit form fighting Unalak. Yeah. Um, and it's very dark tone. Almost that whole season is very dark in terms yes. of colors used. Um, versus when you see her hanging out in in the metal city, um, it's very light colored, even though it's a metal yeah. city. And it's kind of her resting place. So they kind of use that. And I think that was a very good choice mm-hmm. in that. And I think, you know, we talked about it with the last series. Um the superb casting and the voice casting. Oh, yeah. And here we've got, you know, you said J.K. Simmons. We have... Um, Eva Von Sant or... Um, 
Who played uh, Katara? Played um, I actually don't know who played Katara. Yeah, but um, anyway, like, but you've got her. You've got um, Dante Bosco's back playing I mean, playing General Iroh. General Iroh. You know, he's playing yeah. Zuko's grandkid. Yeah, and um, I, I thought that was perfect because you know, like he he brought a lot yeah. to avatar the last airbender and i think having him play a character that's like oh more of a i don't want to say a more realized zuko but like a zuko that didn't have to deal with like all the crap that mm-hmm. he went through you know you've got that you've got um Kuvera, the bad the baddie of season four who's uh, zelda williams zelda williams yeah she did a fantastic job i, I yeah it was it, absolutely and for those who don't know zelda williams is robin williams daughter yes yes she is and she she did a fantastic job as as this character and, yeah and she does a lot of other voice acting mm-hmm. and, and she's delightful so no she i think she did a fantastic yeah. job yeah, and then a quick shout out to uh, Jeremy uh, Zuckerman who did the score. Yes, for the uh, show, <laughs> you're you're awesome. <laughs> I really like your work. <laughs> no, I I think yeah, like you said, we talked about the score a little bit. It was very much a softer score mm-hmm. in terms of the feel the show gave you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we had a lot of of musical notes in both series that kind of helped you feel what you needed to feel. Yeah. But I, I felt like if I, if I were to pick between the two scores, I would pick Cora. Just, I think it, it just hits a little harder. Yeah. Um, a little bit more somber, a little bit more <laughs> delicate, more delicate. There you go. Um, you know, and I think we had, um, we had some fun casting in this one, let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you got Varric, who was hilarious, and then Julie! Julie, do, do the thing! Do the thing! <laughs> I loved that. And it was, and like, and then you just have, like, great casting, and, like, even J.K. Simmons is, as, uh, Tenzin, yeah. and you just have, like, they, I feel like they were able to get a little bit more out of things. And then, then you have cute animals like Pabu and Naga. And Naga, the polar bear dog. Yeah, the polar bear dog. I want one. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> All right. Well, I think, folks, that, that, uh, it gets to that time where we've got to bring some more bad news to you today. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, uh, again, Chad, Chad couldn't make it. Um, yeah. From what I heard, um, he, that we talked about him leading that Congo line after the wedding last week. Um, apparently, he's been spotted. Oh, yeah. We got word through our Twitter feed that he was spotted by the Canadian Mounties Ooh. roaming the streets of Calgary looking for sponsors. For us? Well, I hope so. I mean, and, and Chad, if, if you're out there and you, you hear us, you're not doing a great job because we are still not sponsored. Also, we're worried about you. Yes. We miss you. Please, please, if, if if you see Chad out there in the streets of Calgary, let us know. Please come home. And find us a sponsor. That that would be nice. Actually. Yeah, actually, don't come home until you find us a sponsor. <laughs> but folks, thanks again for listening to us um, uh, on our, our episode about Cora. 
please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Give us a like. Uh, we're at Geek Drink Pod on all the platforms. Yep. And uh, leave us a comment. If you guys want us here to do more of a deeper dive on a certain subject, such as Avatar or Korra, let us know. We'd be more than happy right. to do I deep have, dives into each season or specific pages specific of notes of yeah. stuff. I could talk about this all day. So, <laughs> Well, before we wrap up, Adam, what are you geeking on this week? Oh, well, so um, one of the things I've been replaying recently um, on Xbox um, is uh, Fallout 4. Okay. I really like the world. I really like it. It's and it's kind of like Skyrim for me. I can just pick it up and play it whenever. So awesome. Um, yeah, definitely uh, check it out if you haven't. If you have, it's it's just a great game, especially if you play with mods, um, because uh, you can turn all the death claws into. Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, and so I think um, what I've been geeking on the past week or so, um, and I want to give a shout-out to, is, is Star Trek Lower Decks. Mm. Um, we're, we're about halfway through the, through the third season now. If you haven't watched it, folks, I recommend it because it's not Star Trek, serious Star Trek. It's fun Star Trek, and it's not afraid to make fun of itself in the series. Um and I think it's a blast because they, they're referencing all kinds of stuff from the other series, but they're doing it, making fun of it, and not making fun of it in a bad way. Um, you know, we had a whole episode in season one where they made fun of the movies. There you go. And by doing overdramatic music scores and beauty shots of the ships. So, <laughs> I, I folks, I recommend Lower Decks. Check it out on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, I know uh, I saw recently that... Uh, um, CD Project Red just announced that they're still moving forward with their next gen Witcher three yeah re release. So I mean, hopefully it's free because I mean I played through the game multiple times and I'd love to play through it again on one of the next gen consoles. But uh, if it's it, not free, we'll still pay for it. Yeah, probably. It's, <laughs> but definitely worth a check out if you haven't. Uh, checked out The Witcher at all. It's uh, the series on Netflix is great. The video games are fantastic. Definitely do it. Yeah. Well, thanks again, folks. It wraps up another episode for us on the Geek Who Drink podcast. Tune in next week for another riveting episode and hot takes. Yes, we'll uh, we'll give you something uh, something to talk about. All right, folks. You have a great night. Take it easy.